Well, in church, we're in this new series that I'm calling Kryptonite. And what we're talking about has really been called the seven deadly sins in church history. When we come to Christ and confess our sins, he always forgives. It's because of his grace. It's undeserved. When you confess a sin to Christ, he wipes the slate clean. He totally forgives. And it's an amazing thing. We can't earn it or deserve it. But God also wants us to live in victory. God also wants you to experience victory over the sins that hold you back. You see, forgiveness is great. It's amazing. I'm so grateful for forgiveness, but if you don't live in victory, then the enemy comes at you and causes you to live in shame, and it keeps you from being all that God has called you to be. It really holds you back in life. And so God not only wants to give you his forgiveness, he also wants to give you his power to have victory over the sins that hold you back. And this weekend, we're talking about a kryptonite that doesn't come in the form of a glowing green rock from another planet, but it is a green-eyed monster. And it can easily wreak havoc in our lives and in our relationships. And it's something we all struggle with, if we're honest. It's the kryptonite of envy. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs because... Our key verse is just one simple, powerful, right to the point verse. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church? And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us through our online ministry, through our broadcast ministry, through our satellites, and here in the Woodlands. You know, we're one church built on the word of God, and I want you to read this one out loud with me because it's really short, and I want you to get it. So just read this out loud with me, Proverbs 14.30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. It's right to the point, isn't it? Let's pray. And dear God, I know that if we're honest, we all struggle with envy. And a lot of times, Lord, we don't think too much of it. It doesn't seem like one of the really bad sins, Lord, but it's so destructive in our lives because it keeps us from really enjoying life and and really following the great purpose and plan that you have for us. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would just speak to our hearts, open up our ears, Lord, spiritually, to really hear your word, and I know you're gonna change lives. We all need this message desperately. And I pray, Lord, for those who are going through a time where it's really hard to see your goodness. There's a lot of bad and painful things that are coming into their lives. And I pray today that you would just let them know that you know right where they're at and you know what they're going through and you see it and you care about it and your goodness is on the way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Now, envy is a kryptonite that seems really harmless on the surface, but it's one of the most destructive sins that we have to deal with because it's a poison that quickly goes beneath the surface to the depths of our soul, and it keeps us from enjoying life, and it keeps us from experiencing all that God has for us. Now, I wanna give you a definition of envy right here at the beginning of this message that I think is gonna really help you. Envy is resenting God's goodness in the lives of others while ignoring God's goodness in my own life. Envy is resenting God's goodness in the lives of others while ignoring and not recognizing God's goodness in my own life. Somebody said envy is not only when you want your lawn to be greener than your neighbor's, you also want their lawn to turn brown. 
That's envy. Envy is always destructive. I want you to see first that envy destroys your happiness. Envy just flat out steals your happiness. In Ecclesiastes 4.4, it says, then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors, but this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. He's saying envy destroys happiness because when you're motivated by envy, trying to keep up with the Joneses, whenever you get something that someone else has that you think is gonna make you happy, it, it's meaningless. It, it never fulfills. It always promises so much, but it delivers nothing. It's meaningless. When you get caught up in what someone else has, then you don't realize and enjoy what God has given you. When you get so focused in on what someone else has that you don't have, then you don't see what you do have that God has given you. The first time I remember dealing with envy, I was in third grade. And my friend John came to school one day after a weekend, and he announced to all of us that his dad had just built the coolest treehouse in his backyard. And he described this treehouse and how amazing it was. And all of my friends wanted to go to John's house to play in his treehouse. And all of a sudden, envy started taking hold of my eight-year-old mind. And I blurted out, well, I've got a fort in my backyard. I didn't. I wanted also saying, my dad can beat your dad up, but he couldn't. And, you know, it just envy took hold, and then it just got worse, you know? It just gets worse from there because once you lie, you lie more to cover it up. And he started asking me all about it, and so I started making up stuff. How big is it? Well, it's big enough to hold a helicopter, I told him. Of course, it can hold a helicopter. I don't know why I said that, but he was all, he was really impressed. In fact, he was so impressed that to my surprise, he came to school the next day and he said, guess what? My mom said it's okay for me to go home with you today so that I can play in your amazing fort. Well, I panicked. I didn't know what to do. You know, it's like, oh, that's great. And when we got to my house, he ran into the backyard so excited about the fort. I didn't know what I was going to tell him. But you see, I'd forgotten. I grew up in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and right behind my house in our backyard was this small mountain, basically. And it had all these trails going up to the top of the mountain and a cliff face, and, and it had pine tree forest all around it and all these trails, and it was really a kid's dream backyard. And when John went in the backyard and he saw that, he said, you've got a mountain in your backyard. You're so lucky. He never even mentioned the fort. And we played for hours, climbing up the trails, going up the mountain, going into the forest. Never mentioned the fort. You see, I had become envious of John's little fort or John's little treehouse in his backyard that I had totally forgotten about the mountain in my backyard. And that's what envy does to us. We get so focused on what someone else has, we don't see the mountain of blessings that God has given us. And we don't enjoy life. It just totally steals away our happiness. But I want you to see a second thing. Envy really destroys your destiny because it distracts you from your destiny. Envy distracts us from our destiny. In Luke 9, 62, Jesus said, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. 
when I'm envious of someone else's gifts and talents and abilities and think, I wish I had that talent, I wish I had that gift, then I don't really begin to develop the gifts and the abilities and the unique talents that God has given me. For example, I love music, I love to sing. It's just that nobody likes to listen to me sing because I can't sing. You know, I've said this many times in church and, and whenever someone's sitting next to me and I'm, I'm down here singing, I sing really loud. It's just not a pleasant sound, but I do it for myself to worship the Lord. And, and someone sitting next to me will hear me and they go, wow, Pastor Kerry, I thought you said that you couldn't sing because you were being so humble as our pastor, but you really can't, you're terrible. It's like, I'm terrible, I can't sing, you know? And, but if I looked at our praise team and think, man, they have amazing voices, they can really sing, and these musicians that can really play and use their gifts for God, it's so amazing. I wish I had those gifts, but I don't have those gifts. And I start envying them of the gifts that they have and I say, you know what, I'm gonna take music lessons, I'm gonna take voice lessons, and I could take voice lessons for the next five years and I would go from really bad to bad, maybe. But I would never be good, but I would be wasting my time, but not only wasting my time, I'd be distracted from the gifts and abilities God has given me. God has given me some abilities in communication and in leadership, and I've got to work on those to get better and better at those. I've got a lot of work to do on those gifts that God has given me, and if I look at someone else's gifts and envy those and talents that someone else has, it distracts me completely from God's great purpose for my life. In 1998, Barry Bonds was one of the greatest hitters in Major League Baseball history. He had just come off a record year. He had already hit 411 career home runs, which was enough already in 1998 to get him into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he was destined for the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. But after that 98 season, he told a friend that he was getting really frustrated looking at the accolades and the attention that other players like Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco were getting for their newfound home run power as they were setting records. And it was well known in baseball at the time, in baseball circles, that they were taking performance-enhancing drugs. Barry Bonds had never before taken performance-enhancing drugs, but he said, I'm tired of them getting all the attention, getting the lucrative contracts. And he said, I'm gonna start taking that stuff. And so he did. And over the next few years, he went from one of the greatest hitters in Major League Baseball history to the greatest home run hitter of all time. He hit more home runs than Hank Aaron and Babe Ruth more home runs in a single season than Babe Ruth and Roger Maris, and he set all the records, but of course, you know the end of the story, how the feds began to investigate the steroid scandal in baseball, and it came out that he had taken performance-enhancing drugs, and so now Barry Bonds is not really known as the greatest home run hitter in Major League Baseball history. He's known as one of the biggest names in the era of performance-enhancing drugs in baseball. That's what he's known for, and Barry Bonds will probably never be elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, a place that he was destined to be 
You see, envy always distracts us from our destiny, and God has a great plan and a great purpose for your life, and whenever you let envy distract you from that purpose, you're gonna miss out. And envy has caused so many people to miss their destiny because they try to be like somebody else, but when God made you, he broke the mold. There's no one else like you. And God wants you to follow the path that he has for you and not be distracted from that path. But then envy derails relationships. It really messes up relationships. In James 4, 1, it says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that were within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Envy causes a lot of conflicts. It's the root cause of a lot of conflicts in our closest relationships. I know marriages where husbands and wife are both competing with each other all the time rather than complimenting each other. And when we hear about a friend who gets really blessed, then we think, oh, that's great, but man, I wish I would have been blessed like that. I don't have that. And we start focusing in on what we don't have. We become envious, and it separates close relationships. Usually, we're the most envious of people closest to us, family members, close friends, neighbors, people in the same profession, I mean, doctors don't envy lawyers. Doctors envy other lawyers. Pastors don't envy accountants. We envy other pastors. And we have to admit that we all have that internal struggle. But God wants us to break free from envy because it derails us and it causes so much pain in our lives. So how do I overcome the kryptonite of envy? First, I've got to admit that I struggle with it. And this is a hard one because envy is one of those sins that you can hide. It's hard for us to admit that we're envious. There's something about it that is humbling to admit. And so this is an easy one to hide because no one would ever know that you're envious until you admit it. But we have to admit that we struggle with it. In James 3.14, it says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. He's saying, don't brag about the fact that you're envious. And then on the other side of it, don't hide it. Don't deny the truth because that's even worse. Envy is like all the other sins and struggles we're gonna talk about that it hurts you most when you hide it. It hurts you most when you hide it because In the darkness, it can fester. In the darkness, it can really take hold of your life and drag you down. And so you gotta bring it into the light because the light disinfects it. The light makes it dissipate. The light takes the power out of it. And so I just have to admit it. And by the way, it's not a sin to feel envious at first when someone else is blessed. That's just your flesh. That's a natural reaction in your flesh. That when someone else is blessed, you go, yeah, that's great. Well, I don't have that. But it's a sin when you focus in on it and you begin to dwell on that. You know, wonder why you don't have what they have. That's when it takes hold. And so we've got to admit it. We've got to confess it to God. And he cleanses us. But I have to admit that I struggle with it. And those feelings come into my life, but it's what I do with those feelings that really determine if I'm gonna make it to my destiny. Well, the big antidote to envy is found in a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 20. He said, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn one morning and he hired some day workers to come and work in his vineyard because it was harvest time. And they agreed on a pay, that he would pay them a denarius, which was a silver coin, which was a very generous day's pay. They were really excited about it. They came to work in the vineyard. Then the owner goes out again at 9 a.m. and he sees some people standing in the marketplace and he says, how come you guys aren't working? They said, no one's hired us. He said, well, I'll hire you. And he says, I'll pay you a fair price. And he brings them in and they start working. Then he goes out again at noon, out again at 3 p.m. and gets more people to come in and work for him. Then he goes out at 5 p.m. and he still sees some people standing around and he says, why are you guys standing around doing nothing? And they said, no one's hired us. And he says, well, I'm hiring you right now, come on. And so they start work at 5 p.m. Then at 6 p.m., when it's quitting time, he asks his foreman to call all the workers together and he says, I want the last ones to get paid first. And he pays them a denarius. The ones that came at five o'clock and worked for an hour get a denarius. So the ones that came early in the morning are seeing this because they're paid last. They see this happen and they're thinking, oh good, what in the world is he gonna pay us? If he's for one hour, he's giving them a denarius. And when they get there, he pays them a denarius, just what they'd agreed upon. Well, they get mad. They start grumbling. It's not fair. And you know what I have to admit? I really struggle with this parable. How about you? It's not fair. At first, I'm on those, those guys' side. It's like, what? They worked all day from dawn until dusk, and they get denarius, and they get paid the same as the guys that just worked for an hour? Unfair. And that's what those workers were saying, and they were really mad about it. But Jesus said, the owner tells them this in Matthew 20, 13. Of course, the owner is God in the parable. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I wanna give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? This parable is a real struggle for most of us because it feels unfair, but the guys that only worked an hour got the same pay as those who worked hard in the sun all day long, but the group that worked hard all day long, they were mad, but Jesus points out the real reason for their anger. It wasn't injustice. There's a lot of injustice in the world. There's a lot of pain in the world. We need to stand against injustice, but that wasn't why they were mad. They were mad because of envy. They were mad because... Those who only worked one hour got the same thing as them, and they felt like they don't deserve what we got. They don't deserve that. See, they agreed to work for that denarius, and it was good pay, and they were excited about it, but when they saw that they got the same, they're like, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve that blessing. We deserve that blessing. They were envious. The first group of workers was envious of the group that came last, not because the group that came last got more, but because they got the same. And Jesus is saying, when you're envious that I bless someone else the same as you, it's because you think you deserve more or you think they deserve less. But it's not about what you deserve. We don't want what we deserve. I mean, do I really want what I deserve? No, I want grace from God. 
I want his generous grace. None of us get what we deserve. We didn't deserve forgiveness. We didn't deserve heaven one day. We don't deserve purpose and meaning. We don't deserve those things, but God gives them to us when we receive them. And so it's not about what I deserve. We start going, they got blessed, God, but I mean, they're not even living for you, God. I mean, I don't even think they're a Christian, God. I mean, how could you bless them? God blesses the just and the unjust. It's all out of his mercy. It's all out of his grace. And when I get envious of someone who's blessed the same as I am, but I think I've worked harder, I deserve it more, or I'm better, then I've forgotten all about God's grace, that even my next breath comes from his grace. We're breathing in the grace of God. It's all his grace. It's all because of his generosity and his goodness and his grace. Now, I want you to focus on that phrase that he says at the very end, or are you envious of my generosity? Whenever I envy someone because they have something I don't have, and they get blessed, and it's like, God, I don't have that blessing in my life. And I start to become envious. Who am I really mad at? I'm mad at God. I'm mad at God's generosity. And why am I mad at God's generosity? It's like, God, that's not fair. Why am I mad at God's generosity? Because I don't really understand that God's goodness is unlimited. I have a very limited understanding of God's goodness when I envy someone who has something that I don't have because it shows that I'm thinking that if God blesses that person, then he can't bless me because there's not enough of God's goodness to go around. And so if they get some of God's goodness, it's taken away from my goodness that God was gonna give me. And so I'm envious, but God's goodness is unlimited. And the real antidote to envy is resting in the unlimited goodness of God. God has enough goodness to go around. God blesses someone, I can rejoice in it, even though I don't have that blessing in my life because I know God has enough goodness to go around, and that blessing is not keeping blessings from me. God has blessed me, he will continue to bless me, because God's goodness and his generosity and his grace is unlimited. And whenever we get envious, we're showing a real lack of understanding of God's grace. We're, we're saying we believe that God's grace and God's goodness is limited. And if they get blessed, it's taken away from my blessing. But God's goodness is totally unlimited. And when I start living in an envious way, when I start looking at others in an envious way, if I think God's goodness is limited and there's not enough of God's goodness to go around, I'm gonna live in a scarcity mentality, but God has called us to live the abundant life. If you're a Christ follower, he's given you the abundant life, not the fearful life, not a life of scarcity, but a life of abundance. God will give you everything you need out of his goodness, and because he blesses someone else in a different way doesn't mean that he's not gonna bless you and be good to you. He's got enough of his goodness to go around. And if I can just rest in that, it changes everything. I wanna share with you four things that are so important because of God's goodness. Because of God's goodness, I can stop comparing myself. Because of God's goodness, you don't have to compare yourself to anyone else. When you compare yourself to others, you'll always find someone who's doing worse than you, and you get proud, and you'll always find someone who's doing better than you, and you get envious or discouraged or depressed. And so it's not wise to compare yourself to other people. 
That's why you have to be really careful about social media because if you think your self-worth is tied up in the number of likes or the number of followers that you have, then you're gonna start getting envious because you'll always find someone who has less and it makes you feel proud. And you'll always find someone who has more and it makes you feel envious. And either way, you're dead in the water. God can't use you. And it blocks the blessings of God in your life and you can't enjoy life and you get all caught up in things that don't really matter in the long run. And so you gotta be really careful about that because we start comparing ourselves and it takes us down a wrong path. In 2 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, we do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. It's foolish to compare yourself to others when there's no one else in this world like you. There never has been, never will be. There's no one else of the billions of people who have lived on this planet that have the same fingerprints that you have, the same footprint you have, the same voice print you have. You are unique. You're custom made by God. And so if you compare yourself to someone else, you're wasting your time. And it's gonna distract you from being the person that God made you to be. So I can stop comparing myself. When you rest in God's unlimited goodness, then you focus in on God's unique plan for your life and you stop worrying about everyone else's life and what they're doing. You stop trying to keep up with them and imitate them. You follow God's unique purpose for your life. But secondly, I want you to see because of God's goodness, not only can I stop comparing myself, I can celebrate when others are blessed. If you only celebrate when good things happen to you, you're missing out on a lot of joy in life. Romans 12, 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, envy just turns this command upside down. We rejoice sometimes when people weep and have tough things happen to them. And we weep sometimes when people rejoice because they had good things happen to them. And that's what envy does. There's an old story about two shopkeepers who are bitter rivals and their retail stores were right across the street from each other. And one night an angel visited one of the shopkeepers and the angel said, God has sent me to teach you a lesson. And the angel said, God wants to give you anything that you wish for. It's yours instantly. But whatever you wish for, your rival across the street, God will give them twice as much. So you can wish for millions of dollars and God will give it to you, but he's gonna give your rival twice as much money. You can wish for a long life. God will give it to you, but your rival will live twice as long as you. So think carefully before you make your wish. And the guy was just struggling with it and struggling with it and thinking and thinking, and then he got a smile across his face, and he said, I wish to go blind in one eye. Envy blinds us to the blessings that God wants to give us. We get so caught up in the blessings others have that we don't enjoy life. And God wants us to rejoice when others are blessed. When you rest in the unlimited goodness of God and you know that God's goodness, <laughs> there's enough of God's goodness to go around, then you begin to really experience life. You begin to really enjoy life because you know God's gonna bless you and you can start celebrating with others when they're blessed. Not only does it not bother you, but you get excited for them. When you know there's enough of God's goodness to go around, you know that when someone else is blessed, it's not taken away from your blessing. 
It's like, praise God that he's so generous and gracious. And you can celebrate. If you only celebrate when good things happen to you, you're gonna miss out on so many celebrations. You're gonna miss out on so much joy in life that God wants you to have. And so I can rest in God's goodness and celebrate goodness in the lives of others. And the third thing I want you to see, because of God's goodness, I can surrender to God's plan. Because I know God is good, I know he has a good plan for me. I know nothing can derail God's good plan for my life. Sometimes we go through things that are very bad, that are very painful, and sometimes we can't see God's goodness on the surface. Sometimes we're going through a stretch of our lives where everything feels bad. Everything is hurtful. Everything is painful. And it's hard to see God's goodness. But because I know God has unlimited goodness, I know that somehow God is gonna bring good out of it. That somehow God's goodness is on the way. That's what David said when he was going through one of the worst times of his life. In Psalm 27, 13, he says, in spite of it all, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Some of you needed to hear that. I remain confident of this. God's goodness is on its way in your life. You will see God's goodness because God has a good plan for you. If you're a Christ follower, God has a good plan for you. God's not finished with you yet. Your story is not yet written. Maybe you're going through pain and difficulties and a lot of bad has been happening. God's goodness is on the way. Wait for the Lord, take heart, be strong, take courage because God's goodness is unlimited. In Romans 8, 28, it says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Now, it doesn't say that all the things that come into our lives are good. There's a lot of bad in this broken world. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of hurt. There are a lot of things in life that are just flat out bad, but somehow, some way, God says, if you're one of mine, I will take all the bad, all the good, all the ugly, all the painful, all the mistakes, all the mess, and I will weave something good out of it because there's no problem that can stop my good purpose for your life. There's no bad thing that can come into your life and stop my good purpose for you. And so I can remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Take heart, wait for the Lord. Be strong, wait for the Lord. Goodness is on the way. And when someone else gets blessed, it seems like, wow, their, their path is easy. First, you don't really know what their path is. Oh, their path is easy. I wish it, you know, it's really hard for me. You don't know what their path is, but you can know this. You're on the good path that God has for you, and he's gonna bring good out of it. But there's a fourth thing, because God is good, I can trust God to provide. God is good, his goodness is unlimited, and he wants to bring good things into your life, and he knows what you need, and he can provide what you need. One of the names for God in the Old Testament is Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah is God, and Jireh means to provide, so Jehovah Jireh means the God who provides. One of God's names is the God who provides. God loves to provide for his children exactly what they need, exactly when they need it. 
God loves to provide for you. The literal translation of Jehovah Jireh is the God who sees to it. The God who sees to it. In Hebrew, it's the God who sees to it. He sees to it that he's gonna meet your needs. He sees to it that he provides for you in his goodness. And he sees to it also implies that he sees your pain. He sees what you need. And maybe you think no one else knows, no one else sees. God sees. He knows what you need. And he cares about you. And he will provide for you exactly what you need. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And God provided exactly what we needed so we could be in heaven with him one day and have a relation with him so that we could have forgiveness and cleansing of all of our sins and victory over our struggles. He provided the perfect lamb of God, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, because that's what we needed. That was our only hope to get to heaven. Is the perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. I love this last verse. It says in Romans 8, 31, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? The God who loves us so much that he gave us his one and only son, he provided the perfect lamb so that we could be with him in heaven. Won't he also provide you everything that you need? I don't know what you need today, but God does. He sees it, and he will see to it. If you trust him, because of his goodness, he will provide. He's Jehovah Jireh. He will give you what you could never earn or deserve, but he'll give you just what you need for he is Jehovah Jireh. John Gilbert grew up in Sacramento, California, and at five years of age, he was diagnosed with a, the most severe form of muscular dystrophy, which would take his life at 25 years of age. But John never let his disease define him. He always just enjoyed each and every day and lived life to the full, and even when he was no longer able to move a muscle, and he was in a, in a wheelchair, he loved sports, and his dad would take him to sporting events, and one night his dad took him to a, a sports banquet where they're having an auction, and they brought out a basketball that was signed by all the members of the Sacramento Kings basketball team, his favorite team, and he knew all the players, kept up with all the stats, and he really wanted that ball, and so when it went up for bid, his dad raised the card for John, bidding for that ball, and then others were bidding, and he raised it again, and then it was soon out of their price range. And it just kept going up and up and up. And finally, one man stood up and just offered this enormous amount for this basketball. And no one else bid. The man was awarded the ball. He walked up to the stage and he took the ball. And then he walked straight over to John Gilbert in the wheelchair and he gave him the ball and then walked off and sat down. John Gilbert didn't even know who he was. But John would later say this. It took me a moment to realize what the man had done. I remember hearing gasp all across the room, then thunderous applause, then people weeping. To this day, I'm amazed. Have you ever been given a gift that you could never have gotten yourself? Has anyone ever sacrificed a huge amount for you without getting anything in return? And I wanna say to you, yes. Yes, Jesus Christ, gave us his all. 
We couldn't earn it or deserve it. It was just out of his goodness and out of his grace. For he is our Jireh, our provider. And he wants to provide to you everything that you need. He knows what it is, even down to the smallest thing. And I believe with all my heart, if you'll trust him, if you'll wait on him, he's gonna meet your need because his goodness is on the way. I don't know what it is. You know, and God knows. And God says, I wanna meet that need. I know what you need. And I wanna meet that need. I want us to stand right now and I want us to sing a new song, Jireh, God my provider. And I want you to sing it in faith. It's part of our message today. Sing it in faith because Jehovah Jireh has provided for you and all we have to do is rest in the goodness of God, rest in his grace, rest in what he has already provided and then expect him to provide whatever you need. He knows what you need even more than you know. He wants to meet your deepest needs and he wants to meet even those little things that may not seem very important but if they're important to you, they're important to God because you're important to God. God cares about every detail. Let's sing this and let's sing it in faith. And I want you to think about what is it that you need. And then think about our Jireh, Jesus Christ, who is more than enough. There's more than enough of God's goodness to go around. There's more than enough of his grace to go around because he is the God of more than enough and he is more than enough for you. He's more than enough for me. He is Jireh. Let's sing. God is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And Jireh is always more than enough. Let him be more than enough for you right now. Let him be your more than enough. Hey, the enemy will tell you that you're not enough, that you'll never be enough, that you just don't have what it takes. And in a sense, it's true. Because you'll never be enough until you stop trying to be enough and you trust the one who is more than enough. For you see, Jireh, the God who provides, provided his only son, Jesus Christ, to be the perfect sacrifice for all of our sins, for all the times that we're not enough. Jesus, our Jireh, provided payment for a debt that he didn't know so that we could repay a debt that we could never have paid. Jesus provided his more than enough in exchange for our not enough. So Christ follower, you can stop comparing yourself to everyone else around you, wondering if you measure up. You can stop looking to other people and what they think about you to determine your value. You can stop striving to prove your worth by trying to stand out and be noticed by being unique because you already are. If you're a Christ follower because of Jesus, are more than enough, he's made you so valuable. Our Jireh has made you more than enough. So rest in his goodness. Rest in his good plan for you that he will fulfill in his good time. Rest in knowing that Jesus, our Jireh, will provide exactly what you need at exactly the right time. As the scripture says, now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. And maybe right now, it's hard for you to see God's goodness in your life. Maybe it's hard for you to see God's goodness through the tears that you've shed. Maybe it's hard to see God's goodness because you're having to walk through a dark valley and it's difficult to see anything good in the darkness. Maybe it's a dark valley of confusion 
or a dark valley of depression, a dark valley of anxiety, or a dark valley of sorrow and loss and pain, and you're starting to doubt that you'll ever make it through, maybe it feels like the darkness will never end. Just remember the words to the 23rd Psalm. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Jireh, our more than enough, will never leave you, and he will lead you through the darkest valleys of your life. And the last verse in Psalm 23 says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you hear that? Not only will Jireh, our provider, never leave us, but his goodness and his love will also follow us all the days of our lives. That means his goodness is on the way. His goodness is coming to your rescue. So don't give up in the darkness when the dawn of his goodness is on the way. Jireh is coming to your rescue. Jireh is coming for you. Jireh is coming to give you exactly what you need at exactly the right time you need it. Don't give up in the valley when his goodness is coming to take you to the mountaintop. His goodness is racing to you. His goodness is coming for you. And nothing can ever separate us from the goodness and love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell itself can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love that is revealed in Jesus Christ, our Jireh, the God who provides. Let's sing it with all of our hearts. Let's bow our heads. Jireh, Jesus, our provider. Lord, you know that every one of us at times feel like we're just not enough, that we don't have what it takes. But Lord, we know that you do. And you, Lord Jesus, have made us more than enough because you are more than enough. Lord, we just thank you for your grace for your generosity that's unlimited. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us focus in on you and your plan for our lives in such a way that we wouldn't worry about everyone else, we wouldn't compare ourselves, but we would just trust you, and follow you. And Lord, I just thank you for those who are going through some really dark valleys right now and they just can't see anything good in it. I pray today that you would let them know that you see them that you know what they're going through. And at goodness, your goodness is on the way because you are Jireh, the provider. And Lord, I pray for those who feel like giving up today that they would just give up to you and be strong in your power and wait for your goodness because you have a purpose and you have a plan. And Lord, I pray for those who have been trying to be enough, but they never realize their worth because they've never received you, that they would just pray silently right now in this moment, this prayer, Jesus Christ, I need you to provide for me. Thank you for providing a place in heaven for me. I accept your free gift of forgiveness of all my sins. Cleanse me, Lord. Come into my life with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to really live for you and follow you and your purpose and your plan for my life. I need you. 
I stop trying to save myself and I ask you to save me. Forgive me, cleanse me and take me to heaven one day and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life. It's the greatest thing that can ever happen to us. You know, the reason why God is moving at Woodland Church is because he's real. Woodland Church is a place where lives are changed. Why? Because God is real. And he wants you to know that he's real and he loves you and he's got a purpose and plan for you. Well, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God and the way we give, you know, Woodland Church, you take out your smartphone. And by the way, all of the programs for the services and the sermon notes and verses All of that is in the Woodlands Church app, so you can go to that, or you can just text the word GIVEWC to 77977, and it goes to our Push Pay app, and that's how you give. Text GIVEWC, it has to be put together as one word to 77977, and you can set up recurrent giving. You can give one-time gift or recurrent gifts, and if you're at home, you can go to wc.org slash give on your computer and get set up there. Or you can give on your way out at the offering boxes or you can mail in your gift. The main thing is to give. For God so loved the world that he gave. And when we give, we become more like God. And when we give, that's also an antidote to envy. It's recognizing God, your blessings and your goodness is unlimited and you're gonna fulfill your promise that I can't outgive you, that you're gonna see me through, that you're gonna see to it that my needs are met. We give at Woodland Church because we love God and we love the missions and the ministries that are raising up the poor and powerless and raising up the next generation and raising up the gospel of hope to the world. We have over 100 ministries and missions in our area and around the world now that are making a difference and we want you to get connected with us. We have our membership class today at one o'clock. It's from one to three. We feed you, we have childcare. That's how you join Woodland Church. And if you're sitting on the sidelines, it's time for you to get connected. Get connected. The Christian life's not just a matter of believing, it's a matter of belonging. So do you belong to a church family? We would love to have you here. Connect with us here. And then connect to a ministry and start serving. And that's when you come alive. That's when you start finding out what life's all about. It's about serving others. I want us to stand together and as our declaration, as we go out, I want you to know that our Heavenly Father and his goodness races toward you, but he also loves it when we run to him when we're hurt. When my kids were little and they would get hurt and maybe they'd scratch their knee or fall down, they would run to mom or dad and cry and we would hold them and it'd make it all better. And when you're hurting, maybe you've gone through some real hurt this week and maybe you've just gone through a devastating loss Just know you can run to your father and he'll hold you and he'll bring wholeness and he'll weep with you and he'll cry with you. He cares about you so deeply. Whenever you have a problem that overwhelms you and you will this week, you run to the father right away and you bring it to him because he cares about it. You say, well, I don't know if he cares about those little things that I'm worried about. Yes, he does because he didn't want you to worry about it. And so you can bring it to him. He cares about you so much. He didn't want you to worry He wants you to bring it to him because he will provide. And so you run to the Father with your requests, with your hurts. Even when you're angry at God, bring it to him. You can run to him. My kids would be mad at me and frustrated and and angry when they were little. Still hold them. They'd still come to me. And so you can bring it all to God. He loves you. 
He's big enough to hold you and all your problems. You run to the Father this week. Let's sing it to the Lord and let's make it our declaration before we leave that this week we're gonna run to the Father. We're not gonna run to other things that anesthetize the pain. We're gonna run to the Father and find true peace and healing and hope. You run to the Father this week. Let's pray and let's sing and let's lift him up. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.